the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. There is not a Democrat gospel or a Republican gospel. There is not an American gospel or a social gospel. There's not a prosperity gospel. There is one gospel, one good news by which we are saved through faith in Jesus Christ. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus Christ like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhillchurch.com. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. It's important that you understand wherever you are, whatever your setting and season of life, that according to Jesus himself, your profession alone is not enough. In fact, he would put it this way in Matthew 7 and verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. It's possible to say the right things, to pray the right prayers, but to have a dead faith. You you can't help but think that that's something that's going on in our culture. Did you know that in the United States of America, in the most recent Gallup and Pew surveys, 87 to 90% of people would say that they believe in God. But that means different things to different people. It's a profession. Does it demonstrate any change? James is saying your talk is cheap. You've got to ask, is the talk making any difference in the walk? It moves from nominal faith, a professing faith, to a possessed faith when it shows up in your life. I like the way someone said it. They said it shows up in two different books, your checkbook and your date book. It shows up in your bank account and your calendar. When you live out your faith, it affects everything. If not, you're just living it out in word only. Charles Ryrie said every Christian will bear spiritual fruit somewhere, sometime, somehow. So think about it. Is there anything more than a profession Anything more than talk in your faith journey? I think it was back first in the Jesus movement that someone asked this question. Francis Schaeffer, if I'm not mistaken, said, if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict? Or is it just something you talk about? Dead faith may be based solely on what you say, but dead faith may be solely on what you do. So you've gone through the right motions. You've signed up 
whatever it is, Baptist, Catholic, Methodist, Episcopal, Lutheran, Presbyterian, Assembly of God, non-denominational is a big one right now. Fill in your blank. You've even been through rituals. You've been baptized, whether that means dunked or dipped. You've walked down an aisle. You've raised a hand. You've prayed a prayer. You went to church class. Been to confirmation. You've had that first communion. All those rituals. You don't drink and you don't chew and you don't go with girls that do. You're checking off the right boxes. It's what you do. But James is consistent with Paul. Our faith is not just what we do. I was thinking about this and thinking about how for some of us it would make us feel better if it was, right? If it was our pedigree, our our resume of faith. We know Paul agreed with James because in Philippians he would say all these things that he has done. He's given his resume in Philippians chapter 3 and then he says, but I count that all as rubbish. Literally he says dung. If you don't know what that is, look it up. So I began to think about my background. It's pretty good. I was in church nine months before I was born. They put me on the roll before I ever showed my head. And then I became a follower of Jesus at a young age. I like to say I was Baptist born, I was Baptist bred. When I eat fried chicken, I'm Baptist fed. When I die, I'll be Baptist dead. Got all that pedigree. I went to a Baptist college, a Baptist seminary. I've got graduate degree, the studies for doctoral work. I've pastored five different churches. I've received honors. I've I've led our Florida Baptist pastors. I've I've led pastors here in Tampa Bay. As a young age, I was a leader in the Southern Baptist Convention. Yet God's word doesn't list any of that, does it? I could do all those things and go to hell. Because it's not just what you do. So he says, beware of this dysfunctional faith. Beware of a dead faith. And then he really throws a wrench at it. He says, beware of demonic faith. Demonic faith. Do you know that according to scripture, the devil and his demons have faith? James 2.19 puts it this way. You believe that there is God and he is one? You do well. Big deal. Even the demons believe. And they shudder. Demonic faith. What is James saying? It's not about being orthodox. It's not about your creeds. It's not about intellectualism. You can know all the right things and that knowledge never makes the 18 inch journey from your head to your heart. You never experience the transformation. Jesus encountered demons. One example is Matthew chapter eight and verse 29. It says, and behold, they cried out. What do you have to do with us, son of God? Have you come here to torment us? 
Do the devil and his demons believe that Jesus is God? Yes. In fact, I got to thinking about that. Could a demon join most churches? Well, it depends on what you ask. They go to membership class or in some cases still walk down an aisle. Pastor greets them. Hi, my name is Paul. What's your name? Well, it's Lucifer, but you can call me Luke. All right, Luke. You believe in God? Yes, I do. Do you believe in Jesus? Absolutely. You know that he died on the cross for the sins of mankind? Oh, yeah, I know that. Are you aware that he rose from the grave? Yes. See, orthodox belief is not what it takes to have a relationship with God. But if you ask old Luke, hey, Luke, have you surrendered control of your life to Jesus? Are you following him? Lucifer would say, no, 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 no. It's, that's not going to happen. Because it's all about me. See, a demonic faith is all about self. What kind of faith do you have? Is your faith more than belief? Is it more than emotion? He says the demons believe and they shudder. I mean, they get a quiver in their liver when they hear about Jesus. Is your faith just based on the fact that when certain songs are sung, you feel like you get holy goosebumps? Is it an emotional experience? I would agree with James. Even today, our culture is filled with dysfunctional, dead, and demonic faith. And the Bible says this is a dead faith. It's false. Paul describes people who profess this false faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 4. Listen to what it says. You, you happily put up with whatever anyone tells you, even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preach, or a different kind of spirit than the one you've received, or a different kind of gospel than the one you believe. What? This is the first century. This is the apostle Paul talking. He's speaking to the church at Corinth. And he's addressing a problem that apparently already exists. There are preachers who are preaching Jesus, but it's not consistent with the Jesus that James and Paul knew. There are preachers who are preaching about the spirit, but it's not the Holy Spirit of God. There are preachers that are preaching a gospel, but it's not the gospel that saves, that leads to eternal life. Could that be happening today? I believe it is. I believe there's no other reason why we could look at the church across our land and see it so impotent and lifeless and seemingly helpless at shining light into a dark world. Church, I need you to understand that there is not a white Jesus and a black Jesus and a Puerto Rican Jesus and a South American Jesus and an African Jesus and an Asian Jesus. There is one Jesus described in Scripture. 
Church, there is not a Baptist spirit or Pentecostal spirit or a Presbyterian or Reformed spirit. There's not a non-denominational spirit. There is one Holy Spirit described in Scripture. You need to know that there is not a Democrat gospel or a Republican gospel. There is not an American gospel or a social gospel. There's not a prosperity gospel. There is one gospel, one good news by which we are saved through faith in Jesus Christ. Anything else is false. Anything else is false. So what is James' point? His point is that the Christ life is marked by a dynamic faith. Dynamic faith. It's it's making a difference. It's alive. It's, It's evidenced. If you've just joined us, you're listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. Video of the message you're listening to is available when you click the Watch tab at MissionHillChurch.com. Thanks for sharing time with us and for sharing your financial gifts by clicking the Give button at MissionHillChurch.com. And now, with more of today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Saving faith changes your eternal destination, yes, but it also changes your earthly situation. Remember the one point, the one thing I want you to walk away with, dynamic faith changes you and the change in you results in change in your little corner of the world. So what is that dynamic faith? Well, he illustrates it in two ways. First, he reminds us of Abraham. You know who Abraham was, the the father of the faith. Just think about him for a second. A man, a Jewish man, a patriarch. I mean, when you think about Abraham in the Bible, he is a somebody. Say somebody. (laughs) And then he talks about Rahab. Rahab was a woman. She was a Gentile. Her profession is that she was a prostitute. And really, when you think about her in faith, she's a nobody. But James says she has dynamic faith. So what is this dynamic faith? Let me just give you a couple of things, and then I want to pray with you. First, dynamic faith labors intensively. If you've been changed, the reason the little corner of the world around you changes is because you're working out your faith. That's why Paul says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith, not of your works, lest any man should boast. But we show our faith through what? Our works. We work out our faith. We love our neighbors. We care for those that are hurting. We cry out when we see injustice. We make a difference in society because our faith is alive. It works. I heard about three guys. They were sitting around talking about the end of life and how they want to be remembered. One guy said, well, I know how I want to be remembered. The other guy said, how? 
He said, I just want to be remembered as a good father and a good husband. That sounds like a good way to be remembered. He says, how about you? The other guy says, I want to be remembered as a successful businessman and a, and a community influencer. That sounds like a, a, a good memory. They turn to the other guy and say, how about you? And he's quiet for a second. They said, what do you want people to say at your funeral? He's quiet for a second. And then he pipes up and he says, I want people when they walk by my casket to look in there. And I want them to say, look, he's moving. He's alive. That's what people should say when they look at our faith. Look, it's a moving faith. It's a living faith. It's a different making faith. Because it's a faith that is laboring intensively. He's also saying dynamic faith loves passionately. He describes that and he really points back to Jesus again in Matthew 7 when he says, when you see people in need, what do they need? They need you to do something. They don't just need you to send your thoughts and prayers. They need you to give them a hand up to make a difference. James is saying it's not either or. True love is both and. Recently heard my friend Jim Simbola tell the story of an end of a service experience at the Brooklyn Tabernacle there in New York City. He said it was the end of the service and a, a person had come up clearly off the street. He said it's the worst smell he'd ever smell. Everything imaginable from street to human uncleanliness was in his smell. His hair was matted. His teeth were basically gone. He looked and the guy was sobbing. He looked at him and he prayed with him. And, and then he said, I, I want to tell you how to go back and and get some help from our church. Let me direct you to this person over here, one of our deacons. And the man looked at him and said, Pastor, I'm not asking you for money. I want that Jesus that you've just been talking about. Jim Simbola said at that moment, it was as if he forgot that the man was sitting there with him and he just looked up to God and he cried out, Oh, oh God, forgive me. Forgive me for letting my faith become so dysfunctional that I try just to pay someone off rather than to show them the passionate love that you give us, Jesus. He goes on to say that when he finished his prayer, he looked back at this man who was still crying. He led him to faith in Jesus Christ. That man ended up celebrating Thanksgiving and Christmas there at the Simbola's home. He became a close family friend. They began to get him help and he, his life was changed radically. And now he's an active member serving there at the Brooklyn Tabernacle. Because passionate love, when expressed in a faith experience, changes lives. He says, dynamic faith loves passionately, but, but then he says, dynamic faith lives radically. If you've really been changed, you stand out 
Because the world is not used to radical people. They're not used to radical faith. They're not used to that kind of difference makers. <laughs> In the last century, Soren Kierkegaard was consumed by the lack of change among those who expressed their faith. And so he told a parable about Duck Church. He said one day at Duck Church, the duck preacher got up and boy, he was sharing a passionate message to all the ducks who had gathered in attendance. And he said, ducks, you know you're made in the image of God and all the ducks quacked, amen. And he said, ducks, you know you can make a difference out there. And all the ducks said, amen. He said, ducks, you know you were born to soar. And they said, amen. He said, you can fly. They said, amen. He said, so spread your wings and fly like eagles. And all the ducks quacked, amen. And then when the service was over, all the ducks waddled back home. (laughs) Just as they had always done. Unchanged. Dynamic faith changes you. And that change in you results in a change in everything in the little corner of the world around you. We can understand why James would use Abraham to describe that kind of faith. But why in the world would he use Rahab, a prostitute? The Bible tells us that Rahab married a man named Salmon and they had a son named Boaz and Boaz married a woman named Ruth and they had a son named Obed and Obed became the father of a young boy named Jesse and when Jesse grew up, he had a lot of sons and some of them were lookers. I mean, they looked like powerful men, but he had a little scrubby young son named David And the Bible says that David was the one chosen by God because God doesn't look just on the outside. God looks on the inside. And David became the the king of Israel. And that makes a difference because the prophet Isaiah would say that unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulder, and his name shall be Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government, and of the peace there will be no end, and on the throne of David, and over his kingdom to establish it, and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. You see, from that lineage of David was born the half-brother of James, and his name is Jesus. And Jesus so changes lives that the change that he makes results in change that changes communities, changes nations, that changes the world. So the question you've got to ask today, has the one in whom Abraham expressed his faith, the one who came from the line of Rahab, has that one changed you? 
Or are you caught up in a faith that is dysfunctional or dead or demonic? How do you know? I'm glad you asked. Second Corinthians chapter 13 verse 5 says, examine yourselves to see whether or not you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourself? That Jesus Christ is in you. Unless indeed you fail to meet the test. Let's examine ourselves. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis, an outreach of Mission Hill Church. If you're looking for answers to difficult questions or searching for a church home, you're invited to any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. Details and directions at missionhillchurch.com. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhillchurch.com and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhillchurch.com. Weekdays at 9 a.m. Be encouraged by The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk, a.m. 570 and 910.